Real News. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is March 3rd, 2020, three days into March, and there's absolute chaos. We have war. We have bio-warfare. I mean, it's just pure insanity, and we have the time where we pay the piper. And it's Super Tuesday or Super Thursday, according to Joe Biden. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about today, and actually... You know, I've been getting a lot of uh, requests to kind of talk about my general, General Flynn. So I thought it would be a great time today that we revisit uh, my old boss, Brennan, and see what he had to say about a week ago. And so that way we can also revisit testimony by Sally Yates and by Clapper so you can understand what's really coming in March. Now, I wanted to say, being March and all, uh, it's supposed to be what comes in like a lion, goes out like a lamb. How do you feel about it roaring all the way to May? Uh, Because that's the way it seems that it's going to go. The news cycles are going to be insane uh, these next two weeks and these distractions with the coronavirus that has been around for over five months right now. It's over five months and we have 3,000 dead reported dead across the planet, right? And remember, in 2016, we had between 300,000 and 600,000 dead globally within the year from the regular flu. So it's kind of like, I'm kind of thinking, and hear me out on this, What if this coronavirus hype is great because we gave it to them so they can thump and they can cry and they can, you know, roll around into the whole, oh, you're not ready yet for this. Be a cloak for actual biowarfare because it's very interesting how very nefarious leaders in Qatar, in Saudi Arabia, in Iran, in Iraq, and even the Pope are sick. I'm just putting that idea out there, just floating it out there kind of maybe it's a cloak uh what was that saying that um they love to say never leave a good crisis to go to waste i I guess that works both ways doesn't it so today i thought um we could start on that um i wanted to give a shout out to someone that is organizing there's a lot of people organizing right now uh in And it's kind of funny because it's like some people who are actually super liberal are now like really upset about border. And that comes from, you know, the Greek American community. Uh, Lots of them, you know, that are liberals were like, oh, my gosh, leave the borders. Let them in. They're only people now that it's happening in Greece. All of them are like, oh, my God, close the border. They're burning our churches. They're throwing rocks at us. You know, all these, um, you know, migrants. Isn't it funny how Washington Post went out there and was interviewing these refugees from Syria and couldn't find one Syrian. The person he interviewed was from Pakistan, then saw a family from Afghanistan, and then there were boats filled with Somalis. I I don't seem to understand. Where are the Syrian refugees? Oh, that's right. Erdogan opened up his prisons and unleashed the Kraken. And hey, we were here on the air together talking about how he was going to do that. And you know, the U.S. doesn't play chess like that on nobody's terms. Does not. And nobody else should. Humans should never be pawns regardless of what kind of humans they are and what their intentions are. They're still human beings. And using human beings as pawns is a no. But one thing that I'm seeing is that the Greek American community is actually uniting 
to come out and literally march uh, throughout the nation. And there's a lot of Greeks, man. So, uh, you know, to push forward and stand up against this invasion. Because a lot of people are like, oh, that's okay. It's only like 100,000 or something. Yeah, for the United States, you can easily absorb it. Look at the footprint, you know, that we have in landmass. But on an island that has like a thousand people living on it and you get 3,000 coming up to your short, that's even 500. That's a lot of mouths to feed and no jobs. I mean, have you guys ever been to a Greek island when it's not summer? Super not busy. I'll tell you that. Uh, so everyone's swatting flies and the only customers are the people on the island. Um, so we'll talk about that. Talk a little bit more about Syria because that's really heating up. Putin and Erdogan are talking, but they're not really talking. And yesterday when we heard um, Esper, uh, you know, the Secretary of Defense Esper and General Milley, when they were asked questions, you saw the crickets. It was like mm, they didn't even answer questions about Article 5. It was very inspiring to see it. Um, also, a lot of misinformation going around. They're like France is sending an aircraft carrier to support Greece. No, they're not. They're down there to support Turkey's movement against Russia. So this is getting really interesting really fast and you know now that Netanyahu took his post by the skin of his teeth uh, you know the agreement that was put in place between Egypt Israel Cyprus and Greece uh, unifying behind the Libyan National Army uh, of General Haftar and um, you know going against what Turkey is doing in the maritime area is going to come into play so I mean we'll we'll dissect that a little bit later um, so to Costas, who's putting all of this together, great job, um, because, you know, we have a bigger voice than what they make us think we have. And it's all about uh, putting out there correctly and making those statements correctly. So before we get into um, Brennan, which, Owen, which I... <laughs> I've already expressed my feelings to him, uh, you know, when he wasn't uh, the CIA director and was working in a more different capacity, uh, you know, me and him butted had a lot. Um, so I thought I'd start with um, something super fun, just so you can just so you can understand how the past is haunting people. I want you guys to listen to what Donna Brazil had to say today. We had Donna, uh, Ronna McDaniel on, Donna, earlier on the program, uh, chairwoman of the RNC, and she was talking about the possibility of a brokered convention, the impact that would have on Bernie Sanders. Here's Ronna. It does depend on how big the lead that Sanders takes out of California is, if he picks up a, a huge proportion of delegates. But I don't see anybody getting out soon, and it's leading towards potentially a broker convention, which will uh, be rigged against Bernie if those superdelegates have their way on that second vote. To that, you say what, Donna? First of all, I, I want to talk to my Republicans. First of all, stay the hell out of our race. Uh, talk to my Republicans. First of all, who is this woman saying stay the hell out of my race? Second, this is the woman that talks about integrity, which you'll hear on. But let's remember who she is. She's the one that was giving the questions to the debates to Hillary Clinton before the debate so she can study. Right. Uh, let's not forget who she is. Stay the hell out of our race. I get sick and tired, Ed. 
uh, and Sandra, of listen to Republicans tell me and the Democrats about our process. First of all, they don't have a process. They're canceling primaries. They have winner-take-all. They don't have the kind of democracy that we see on the Democratic side. And for people to use Russian talking points to sow division among Americans. Okay. Somebody stop. Tell me, what is a Russian talking point? Is it like speaking Russian, like saying spasiba and da? What is a Russian talking point? Because that makes absolutely like they're inventing terms and they're inventing things. Like what does a Russian talking point mean? Do we knock a shot of Stolnitsya after we speak? What is a Russian talking point? I don't seem to understand that. This is Russia hoax revived. I mean, they already have egg on their face as being conspiracy theorists saying, that our president was a Russian agent, you know, and now they're reviving it. Why, guys? Right? Because Russia has a mutual defense agreement with Syria and they're trying to make this Russia's war when it's not. So pay attention to how they sow these seeds to revive things. You know, we had the whole, you know, pervert. We had the whole racist, right? The Chinese racism fell on its face. Now it's like you're not competent enough to deal with the coronavirus. So we're, we're recycling Russia because Ukraine is about to put a lot of people away in jail. But listen to what else she says. That is stupid. So Rana, go to hell. This oh, is wow. not about, no, go to hell. I'm tired of it, Ed. Man, you know, I'd like to know if the people on Fox and Friends told, you know, the DNC chairperson, go to hell. Um, you know, they have a job. I mean, I think this warrants a suspension. This isn't how you speak. We are not... We're not trying to prevent anyone from becoming the nominee. If you have the delegates and win, you will win. This notion that somehow or another Democrats are out there trying to put hurdles or roadblocks before one candidate, that's stupid. I know what's... Wait a minute. How is it stupid? Uh, last uh, presidential election, they stole the election from Bernie, killed the guy that tried to expose it, yet it's stupid. And here we have Bloomberg coming in as the sugar daddy of the DNC because there's no way in hell he would ever be president. He has as much chance of being president as Elizabeth Warren, who is delusional. Fakeahontas is so unlikable, such a liar, such a panderer, and she's kind of sitting there like the orphan. Uh, you know, like, is anyone going to scoop me up? I, I have a female part. So women first, add me as your VP. That's what she's standing around for. Who will take her? Bernie or Biden? And no one will give her to Biden because Biden's out the door with dementia. The guy doesn't even know what office he's running for. Uh, you know, as president, imagine he won't even remember what country he's a president of. This guy doesn't even know his name. He couldn't recite simple things, simple things. He was in New Hampshire and he says, I love the state of Vermont. And it's like, what? You know, he can't even put together a thought. And they put this clown up. Huh. It's just simply there to push the VP. Maybe they'll get She-Man, you know, uh, Michael Obama or what people like to call Michelle Obama. Um, or they'll probably bring up Hillary Clinton again and revive her now that she's back in the news. Because, uh, you know, she's been subpoenaed to talk about Benghazi and her emails and stuff. But listen to what else Donna says. Like, she's super keeping it classy, right? What's going on? They are, they are scared of Democrats coming together to defeat Donald Trump. They need to be focusing on what we're focusing on, the Democratic Party, and that is preventing 
foreign interference in our elections. Stop using Russian talking points, Madam Chair, one month. Period. Okay, so a tweet from one of the listeners. Don is a liar and corrupt, and Fox has her as a contributor. Of course, because remember, who had Fox? You know, uh, it was Disney, and that CEO just stepped down. So we're going to see a few heads roll soon. All right. Stop well, using it. it Donna, with me. all due it respect, makes, we have her on to, to, to talk about what she sees happening here in the same way that we asked you to. A, but, no, but Sandra, she's not a Democrat. I'm a Democrat, but I'm also an American, and I have a responsibility to make sure that the process, I know the process, Rana knows the process, but to infer that we're trying to prevent one candidate over another, that's not happening. And if there's any proof, Madam Chairwoman, any proof, Mr. President, that we're trying to somehow or another change this process for one candidate well, let's to just get take this back. Well, maybe they're itching for us to talk about Seth Rich. I mean, that'll be all the proof they need. But, you know, that's the thing. Oh, as a Democrat, how can you prove it? Well, we're going to prove it. You know, Um, you know, great DM from one of the listeners. Who's Biden's master? He's the puppet. Who's the master? It's them. It's them. And we've talked about them. Them. Lucia's trust. Them. Above that. We just have to keep going on that. Uh and we have to let it lie, too. So we have the Democrats in full, uh, you know, defense mode right now. Full defense mode because they have no leg to stand on. They don't even have a capable candidate. I mean, even the media can't even discern these clowns. So Reuters this morning tweeted out uh, a picture of, you know, Beto the clown sitting down with Biden. It's like almost Reuters has dementia, too, saying, oh, look, they're at a chicken shop. Biden and... You know, Pete Buttigieg, butt plug. He used to be his rival and they're talking and it's like, oh, that's Beto. See, they can't even discern one clown from another. The circus is so bad. I mean, (laughs) how do you discern this? You can't. They're all idiots. They're all clowns. That's the way it is. They're so dumb. They have no message. And then they want to win elections. Like, what is your message? We hate Trump or what? Bernie Sanders, socialism. And the reason that... We have the Democratic Party refusing to allow Bernie Sanders to take the nomination from them is because after that, the Democratic Party is known as the Socialist Party, the American Socialist Party. There's no way that they can claim to be Democrats when they have a socialist and someone that applauds communism representing them. So this is their problem. It's all about, you know, what's documented and put down. And they themselves had called him a commie and a socialist when, you know, we've all been getting installments of socialism since the early 1900s. It's one day you wake up and you're like, wait a minute, how are we socialists? Duh. You rely on the government for your uh, pension when you're older. You rely on the government for your health when you're older, right? Uh, You have to pay taxes constantly. You're supposed to follow some certain rules of what you can or cannot say. Uh, Suddenly, everything seems to just blur. Your kids are now invested to the government. You know, you just hand them over and they raise them for you. They feed them for you. I mean, this is what socialism is in essence. And it never works. And I don't care what anyone says about it working at some point. It never, ever works. So the Democrats are willing to throw behind Biden all the money that Bloomberg's brought in and whatever pocket change they have um, 
to get him up there. And why Biden? Because Ukraine, he's going down. And obviously, Tucker nails it again. Take a listen to the montage. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. A historic moment today in the world of politics. After much trial and error and a great deal of anxiety and frustrated harumphing on cable news panels, the Democratic establishment tonight finally has chosen a candidate to stop Bernie Sanders before he can take their money. There's much relief in Washington right now. The Sanders threat is imminent and profound, and they've been sweating it. Imagine General Chinese Gordon surrounded by screaming Mahdi's at the siege of Khartoum, and you will know how they feel. Terrified. It's one thing if your country falls apart, if 10th graders can't read and nine-year-olds are taking puberty-blocking drugs and downtown L.A. looks like Calcutta and another 10,000 more Americans just died of fentanyl overdose. Whatever. Americans are dying. Democrats are fine with that. They can live with it. They do. They don't say a word. But if there's a rogue candidate out there who might actually be serious about closing the carried interest loophole and forcing private equity barons to pay the same effective tax rate that you do, well, that cannot stand. It's totally and completely unacceptable. In fact, it's morally wrong. Alert the panel on Morning Joe, we're going to war. And tonight they have found their war horse, a hero they imagine will carry them forth to victory against the wild-haired infidel from Vermont. It is this candidate, whom you should know, is literally now the youngest man in the Democratic race. This is the man they believe has the competence, the intensity, the intellect to repel the seething horde of Sandersites. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joe Biden. Look, tomorrow's Superstar Tuesday, and I want to thank you all. I tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? 150 million people have been killed since 2007 when Bernie voted to exempt the gun manufacturers from liability. It would put 720 million back, million women back in the workforce. Nobody should be in jail for a nonviolent crime. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. What's not to like? Senate, right? 150 million people. Do you know how much that is? That's like almost half our population. So half our population died because of guns. About Vermont in terms of the beauty of it. And what a neat town. What a neat town Vermont is, New Hampshire. The radio, make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on. Record player? Like what decade is he in? At night. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. We choose some. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kid. Racism much? Science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. Think okay. about it. Wait a minute. What? Truth over facts? Guys, come on. We, we don't even have to attack this guy on anything. He's doing it himself. He's a clown. Truth over facts? Like, wait a minute. So truth is now subjective? Object? I mean, facts are objective. So what you're saying is, are subjective my truth? My truth. <laughs> What I envision is truth. This is pure insanity, right? And this is who they're throwing every chip they have behind, every single penny they have, which, by the way, is all union dollars, as we know, because the only way the Democrats fund their campaigns, we already know, is amalgamated bank. And they don't hide it. And it is the DNC bank. And every single union gives their money to amalgamated bank to invest and they, in turn, invested in Democrats. They're still trying to make up the deficit from your union dues from Hillary Clinton. We hold these truths to be self-evident. 
All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. Equal. Yep, that's the man. It's Super Thursday, and he's running for the United States Senate in memory of the nearly half the country that's murdered by guns in the last few years, guided by the belief that other children are as bright and talented as white kids, not to mention clean and articulate, and in the hope that he can put three quarters of a billion women back to work, whether they want to go or not. If that's the kind of transformational candidate you're looking for, Joe Biden is your man. Or if you're looking for someone to get you a second serving of Jell-O from the 4.30 early bird buffet, Biden could do that, too. He's a renaissance man, though, as he himself will tell you. The renaissance was an awful long time ago, back during the Carter administration, actually. And you know what? Jimmy was a good guy, better than they said, and so on. Honestly, and how do you say this without being rude or mean? This whole thing is sad. Worse than that, it's cruel. Running Joe Biden for president is like making your dog wear a dress. It may make for an amusing Instagram post, but it's wrong. You can see the confusion in the dog's eyes. You can see the same thing in Joe Biden's eyes, if you look closely. Why am I here? What are we talking about? Maybe if I make a lot of noises about push-ups, no one will notice. So far, the only thing we've learned from Biden's candidacy is that there's no one around him who cares enough to make him stop. Instead, there are only enablers. Today, both Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar endorsed Biden. So did former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid and Beto O'Rourke. These are party people doing the bidding of their corporate masters. Wait, let's stop right there. Did you hear that? Harry Reid. Do you guys remember when we talked about Harry Reid over a year ago? And I got so many emails from my listeners. Who is this guy? Um, And I explained to you, he's the TheraBand guy, the guy that was under investigation, blah, blah, blah. But he was the one that pushed the dossier at the end of October, you know, and was handing it out like candy as if it was legitimate. You remember the fake dossier that's now fake and 17 intelligence agencies of which, of which, right, 14 were not American intelligence agencies. Remember that? Yeah, that's Harry Reid. So tell me again, why does Harry Reid, a retired senator, right, a guy that pushed the fake Russia dossier, who tried to sue TheraBand because as he was trying to get better, the old geezer snapped the band in his face and said it was a weapon, right? Why does his word matter? So that's where you need to sit and think, wait a minute, who is this clown and why is his word that carries weight? Oh, and remember how I told you that Harry Reid had actually been arrested, um, And then let go, of course, you know, these people don't even get mugshots or anything. But in his own hometown, he was arrested for peeing on hookers. Uh, Maybe that was the inspiration of this uh, dossier, too. But this is the face of the Democratic Party. We had Amy Klobuchar, who you know, is tied in with the Ukraine, whose right-hand woman is married, uh, is a Poland. And you know who that is. That's the director of communications and operations for Rothschilds. Okay. And so her law firm is Perkins Coy, you know, the same law firm that Hillary for America had, Obama for America and the DNC all in one, whose partner resigned and is now looking at criminal uh, charges against him that obviously no one is talking about Robert Bauer charges. And then we have, you know, Manchurian candidate Pete Buttbug, whose only spiel is he's gay and who sat there giving a humble speech. Oh, I started from here. Yeah. But you paid for the app in Iowa that made you the winner and you fly around in private jets. I don't see how you're humble at all as a little mayor. Where'd you get all this cash? 
So they don't even have a candidate that's, you know, worthy of running, except Tulsi. Tulsi Gabbard is still running and she's insane, you guys. She, uh, you know, I wrote an article, I, th- I think it was like six months ago and it's on Loomerd and on Tory Says Always, right? Um, where... I talked about how Tulsi Gabbard doesn't know if she's a Democrat or a Republican. She's like flippy flop, flip, flop, flip, right? She's kind of yay. And then yay. You know who she reminds me of? Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. That's who she reminds me of. And well, we're going to start with Lindsey Graham. I'm going to take you back in time to 2017, um, right after the break. So that way you can hear his own words and then think it's 2020 about the same time of the year. And where is Lindsey Graham today? Three years later, has he changed? Obviously not. We all know that he's told you how he's going to subpoena all these people and ask him questions. Yet he had no problem subpoenaing, you know, Brennan and Sally Yates and confirming that the Russia collusion and that Russians hacked the DNC was a real thing. When we all know I had part of that DNC server and it wasn't hacked. It was done by an American at the DNC. So, you know, and his name was Seth Rich. I'll see you all in just a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So um, we're going to talk about Lindsey Graham, who was just so nice enough to throw some shade into the Taliban agreement uh, just a few minutes ago, saying that it's suspicion of the Taliban when it came to any peace agreement, uh, rearing his head right on time. This is why we were going to start with Lindsey Graham. Then my old beloved Owen, John Owen Brennan, former CIA director Clapper and Sally Yates, because we need to revisit all these things to remember and to see what's coming. (laughs) Speak of the devil, right? Lindsey Graham's rearing his head. So apparently the Taliban apparently killed five Afghan police officers. And he says it violates the spirit of the alleged peace deal. It violates the letter of agreement. And how do you know that it's the Taliban? Because see, the Taliban, unlike what anybody thinks, right, They're actually a political party. They're not jihadis, okay? The jihadis were the Russian jihadis that that were weaponized by Osama bin Laden so they can take down the USSR. That is what happened. And there is a radical faction and a political faction, kind of like the, well, the Democrats are all radical and political, so they're one and the same. The Taliban, though, are separate. They're just demanding their territory back, and they're extreme nationalists. Look, if that's what floats Afghanistan boat you want to be you know extreme nationalist you know socialism communist you do you boo boo right we don't care it's none of our business you know they produce heroin that's what we care about right that's what we care about because and it's not us it's the nefarious government that are using those poppy fields why are we patrolling poppy fields for what oh that's right pharmaceutical companies so 
you know, we have to see who has interest in what they're talking about. So I think it's time that we get to Lindsey Graham and um, kind of remind ourselves of his opening statement and then Clapper's statement. I want you guys to listen to this because it's pretty incredible. Um, and it'll jog your memory and you'll be like, oh my gosh. This is from uh, almost three years ago in May of 2017. The hearing will come to order. Thank you all for coming. Here's sort of the order of the day. I'll give a brief opening statement along with Senator Whitehouse. Then we'll have Senator Grassley and Feinstein follow us in questioning. And uh, it'll be seven-minute rounds initially, and we'll try to do a second round of five minutes to both of the witnesses. Thank you for coming. We'll try to make this as reasonably short as possible. And if you need a break, please let us know. So people wonder, what are we doing and what are we trying to accomplish? In January, the intelligence community unanimously said that the Russians, through their intelligence services, tried to interfere in the 2016 American presidential election, that it was the Russians uh, who hacked Podesta's emails, it was the Russians who broke into the Democratic National Committee, and it was Russians who helped empower WikiLeaks. Uh, no evidence that the Russians changed voting tallies, how people were influenced by what happened. Only they know and God knows. But I think every American should be concerned about what the Russians did. From my point of view, there's no doubt in my mind it was the Russians involved in all the things I just described. Okay, let's just stop right there. So Russians hack Podesta's emails. No, your, your five-year-old could hack his emails because his password was password. Two, the DNC was not hacked by Russians. It was hacked, right? That's what they're saying. It's hacked. Actually, it was imaged at the source with a drive, and it was taken by a gentleman called Seth Rich. And not only that, it wasn't just the DNC server. It was the RNC server, too. Now, not Russian. American citizen, not Russian. Not Drushki. No, no, no. So here we have Lindsey Graham repeating the lies. No doubt in my mind that the Russians did it. Yet the evidence shows that the time, the code, the uploads, and all the imaging is fake fabricated and does not substantiate any streaming or hacking. But, you know, Lindsey Graham's going to, you know, swamp, you know, the swamp swamps, right? Listen to more of these uh, perpetuating lies. Not some 400-pound guy sitting on her bed or any other country. Uh, Russia is up to no good when it comes to democracies all over the world. Dismembering the Ukraine, the Baltics are always under siege by Russian interference. So why? We want to learn what the Russians did. We want to find a way to stop them because they're apparently not going to stop until somebody makes them. The hearing that was held uh, last week with Director Comey asked a question, is it fair to say that Russian government still involved in American politics? And he said yes. So I want House members and senators to know it was the presidential campaign of 2016. It could be our campaigns next. I don't know what happened in France, but somebody hacked into Mr. Macron's uh, account, and we'll see who that may have been. But this is sort of what Russia does to try to undermine democracy. So what are we trying to accomplish here? To validate the findings of the Intelligence Committee as much as possible and to come up with a course of action as a nation, bipartisan in nature, because it was the uh, Democratic Party of 2016 were the victims. It could be the Republican Party of the future. 
When one party's attacked, all of us should feel an attack. It should be an Article 5 uh, agreement between both major parties, all major parties, that when a foreign power interferes in our election, it doesn't matter who they targeted, <clears throat> we're all in the same boat. Uh, secondly, the unmasking, the 702 program. Quite frankly, when I got involved in this investigation, I didn't know much about it. Director Comey said the 702 uh, program, which allows warrants for intelligence gathering and a vital intelligence tool, I've learned a bit about unmasking, and what I've learned is disturbing. So I don't know exactly all the details of what goes into unmasking an American citizen being incidentally surveilled when they are involved with a foreign agent. I'd like to know more, and I want to make sure that that unmasking can never be used as a political weapon. In our Wait a minute. Can't be used, but it's been used. Um, so let's just reach. <laughs> let's just see. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing before I say it. Guys, think of this. Just take a step back. Russia. Russia is like everywhere, right? They like penetrate everybody's systems. They hack everything. They're like so evil. Are you kidding? Are we kidding? Come on, you guys. Are we kidding? Is Russia really a threat? The only threat they are is to the IMF because they have no debt. You know, and if they were so scary, then why do we have agreements with them to process already low-grade enriched uranium from Iran and Iran sends it to Russia and then Russia sends it to France? I mean, come on, man. It's like they tell you half the story. They bake it the way you want. And it's like once you touch that souffle, there's no nice little pudding inside. It's like air. It's garbage. It's nothing. They're selling you, you know, something, uh, an empty box with a pretty ribbon on it and there's nothing inside. This is what he's telling you. Like, this is who Lindsey Graham is. Oh, I was shocked about 702 program and none. Really? You were. You were because you were sitting on committees before where we had issues with 702 over collections, as they say. And, you know, we've been through this 702. I've been talking about this 702. And, you know, two weeks ago, I brought it up. Last week, I brought it up. Beginning of the week, I brought it up. What did I say? Hey, why is the sunset clause of the Patriot Act, which allows them to collect information on every single American, right? Going to be renewed in this FISA thing. Like, why are they doing it? Jim Jordan's like, oh, we're looking to like renew. No, no renew, period. Let it die and leave it alone. And, you know, I was glad to see that Mark Meadows actually tweeted that out. He said, just let it be. Why are we rushing against the clock to try to push this sunset clause? Let it sunset, period. But, you know. On the other hand, we all have to know that that can't really be fixed, okay? It can't really be fixed only because, uh, you know, we have issues of point of access. So I've explained to my listeners, and I got a lot of emails on this too, um, that, you know, not, not everything is over satellites. We literally have cables, like cables going under the water from the Atlantic to, you know, Europe and cables that connect our West Coast to the Pacific, like underwater, like legit under, like physical, like if you had the equipment and you were, you know, Jacques Cousteau and you could dive, you could go down there and tap the wire if you wanted to. Just saying. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's security measures, but... It's really old school. I mean, we have all this fancy schmancy stuff, but on the other end, 
I'm just saying, they're still cables. Now, just so that you can understand the visual, I want you to visualize it. Picture two cords, one leaving New York and one leaving Los Angeles. The New York one, uh, you know, bifurcates and goes up to England and goes directly to Europe. And then from Europe, it goes to Africa and they get all connected in the water. Okay. Underwater. So I want you to picture that vision that because that's exactly what the reality is. So how did the NSA come to this Patriot Act and 702s? Here's how it is. They were supposed to take uh, the, the starting point. So where that cable is like literally exiting a wall per se. It's not like that. Kind of is, but not like that. A wall with that one cable. It's actually a bundle of cables. Um, you know, it's supposedly classified where it is. So I can't really say where it's where they're located because they are located in order to increase speed. But and you know, Hurricane Electric can tell us more on that. Just saying. And um, so picture that that there was only one exit, right? One wall with one cable, right? So right there, they attach like something to collect all the information going out right? And all the information coming in outside of the United States. Then the same thing is happening on the West Coast. Let's pretend it's in LA and there's only one cable, right? Again, they attach something that collects information that goes out of the United States and that comes in the United States. That's the only place that they should have access. That's the only place that they should be garnering information from. Okay. You get that? But that's not the way it is. Hmm. See, Hurricane Electric, you need to look on big league politics and just search hurricane electric. That's all you need to look at. And you will see IP addresses. I am giving them to you where exactly those listening points are. And you know, who's the best at collecting and sorting and compiling all this information. L3 communications. Oh, wait. And the ones that are contracted with Lockheed Martin. Oh, it's a program that was created with L3 Communications and Lockheed under Comey when he had left his position as acting attorney general when he made this all possible and they took Bill Binney's program and started to compile data on people. You know, when that mass RFP push by FBI director, uh, well, not director of the FBI. See, he was, uh, see, Comey was the... Um, what is it? What is it called? The um, perceived FBI director. And then there's Cuthbertson that was the actual. So he put out all those requests for information so that way he can garner more information. So for the past 20 years, right, guys, they have been collecting every bit of information from your employer to your driver's licenses to your military records, dental records, medical records, and Obamacare helped tie in the insurance boom, to create a perfect citizen log. And it's Hurricane Electric with specific IP addresses that show you this. Oh, and Hurricane Electric was the poison choice of server handling for the Obama transition team. Makes you wonder why he chose such a company. But I digress. So here we have, you know, uh, Graham uh, putting out this fake, oh, 
I'm so like concerned about spying on people. And, uh, you know, this is just so bad. Uh, what can we do? Um, we need to talk about this because I'm so alarmed. What do you mean you're so alarmed? This isn't something new because you guys had Brennan in the hot seat beforehand because you found out that the Senate, Congress, the Supreme Court justices and everybody and their mother was being spied on by the clown agency under Brennan's directive. So you already knew that they've hacked and they have listened and they have compiled all your communications. Hence why Scotusgate is going to be lit. So here we are once again, revisiting this as we gear up for Scotusgate. So you can see where it's going. And the first one to be paraded will most definitely be Owen because he has been the loudest. So here we go where Sally Yates and um, uh, Clapper dig their own grave. In our democracy, so I'm all for hitting the enemy before they hit us. Intelligence gathering is essential, but I do believe we need to take a look at uh, the procedures involved in 702, particularly how unmasking is uh, requested, who can request it, and what can what, what limitations exist, if any, on how the information can be used. So that's why we're here. We're here to find out all things Russia, and the witnesses are determined by the evidence and nothing else. And the 702 reauth reauthorization will come for the Congress fairly soon. And I, for one, have a lot of questions I didn't have before. I've enjoyed doing this with Senator Whitehouse, Senator Feinstein, and Grassley have been terrific. Let it be said that the chairman and ranking member of the subcommittee have allowed us to do our job, have empowered us, and have been hands-on, and it's much appreciated. And with that, I'll recognize Senator Whitehouse. Okay, we don't need to listen to that. But did you see how he gave some props to Diane Feinstein? You know, the one that had a driver for 20 years that was a Chinese spy. Oh, you know, the one that spearheaded the whole let's take down and analyze the FBI with torture with Daniel J. Jones. And she spearheaded that under Obama, created a Rolodex, and that send all the information they compiled on how the agency recruits, attacks, does, terrorizes, and or, and or, spreads this information for a purpose, has all been buried in the darkness. Now we're just going to skip ahead to the interesting parts. Take a listen. There was the phone call initially to let him know I needed to come see him. Yep. Two meetings. Flynn, Flynn. And then a phone call at the end to let him know um, that the material, that the material available was available. He, he had to call me back. He was not available then, and I did not hear back from him until that afternoon of Monday the 30th. And that was the end of this episode, nobody came over to look at the material. I don't know what happened after that because that was my last day with DOJ. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Senator Grassley. Yeah. Mr. Clapper, uh, you said that you've never exposed classified information in an inappropriate manner. I asked Director Comey these questions last week. So for both of you, yes or no, as far as you know, has any classified information relating to Mr. Trump or, or his associates been declassified and shared with the media? Uh, not to my knowledge. Ms. Gates? Not to my knowledge either. Okay. Uh, next question. Have either of you ever been an anonymous source in a news report about matters relating to Mr. Trump, his associates, or Russians attempt to meddle in the election? No. Absolutely not. Okay. 
Third question. Uh, did either of you ever authorize someone else at your respective organizations to be an anonymous source in a news report about Mr. Trump or his associates? No. No. Okay. okay. So here we go. Clapper lied. Sally Gates lied. And that is going to be fun. Uh, as far as either of you know, have any government agencies referred any of the leaks over the past several months to the Justice Department for potential criminal investigation? Uh, I don't know. As you know, Senator, there is a process for that, for doing that. I don't know if that, uh, that's happened. Uh, Ms. Yates? I'm not at DOJ anymore, so I don't know what's been referred. Question was during your time, but okay. So then I, I guess uh, kind of sum up, uh, neither one of you know whether the department authorized a criminal investigation of the leaks. I do not, sir. No, sir. Okay. Have any of you been questioned by the FBI about any leaks? Uh, I have not been. No. Okay. I uh, want to discuss uh, unmasking. Uh, Mr. Clapper and Ms. Yates, uh, did either of you ever request the unmasking of Mr. Trump, his associates, or any member of Congress? Um, Thinking. Yes, in, in uh, one case I did. One case. See the words case, which means it could be multiple individuals under one case or project or operation. I can, I can specifically uh, recall, but I, I can't discuss it any further than that. You can't. So if I ask you for details, you said you can't discuss that. Is that what you said? Not, not here. Okay. Ms. Yates, can you answer that question? Did you ever request unmasking of Mr. Trump, his associates, or any member of Congress? No. Uh, question. So, the Department of Justice, okay, so Yates didn't request anything because she wouldn't. Unmasking comes from the intelligence community. So that was just kind of a blanket question, let's just ask. Yet, she was looking at Clapper as he was answering the question to get direction. Two, did either of you ever review classified documents in which Mr. Trump, his associates, or members of Congress had been unmasked? Oops. Oh, yes. You have. Can you give us details here? In this no, effort? I can't. Ms. Yates, have you? Yes, I have, and no, I can't give you details. Okay. Oh, they did. Did either of you ever share information about unmasked Trump associates or members of Congress with anyone else? Okay, I want you guys to remember this. So Clapper said on one case, he had requested the unmasking, right? Sally said, I didn't because she doesn't have the authority, right? She's DOJ. Then Clapper said, yes, he's reviewed classified documents about Trump, his associates or anybody else in his orbit, no matter how far out they are, even if they're planet X distance. And then Sally Yates said, yes, I did too. We just can't talk about it. Sally Yates currently is now looking at Clapper to see how he's going to answer. Um, 
Well, I'm thinking back over six and a half years, I could have discussed it with either my deputy or my general counsel. Okay, Ms. Yates. In the course of the Flynn matter, I had discussions with other members of the intel community. I'm not sure if that's responsive to your question. And in both cases, you can't give details here? No. No. Uh, the, F the FBI notified the Democratic National Committee of the Russians' intrusion into their systems in August of 2015. But the DNC turned down the FBI's offer to get the Russians uh, out and refused the FBI access to their servers. Instead, it evidently eventually hired a private firm in the spring of 2016. WikiLeaks began releasing the hacked DNC emails last July. It took roughly 27,000 of the 27,500 DNC emails it released were emails sent after the FBI notified the DNC of the breach. I just want to reiterate. So in 2015, the FBI had notified the DNC that Russia had, you know, intruded in their server. Here's what happened. CyberSec was actually investigating a lead of Chinese code that was made to look like Russian code. This is all well documented, and that's what they were discussing. It was Chinese access. But that Chinese access was actually voluntarily provided by the DNC to the Chinese in order to exchange information. This is all going to come to light. So this is why they denied and said, we don't care if they hacked it. We're good. We're going to do it ourselves. Now, in 2016, when their server was actually imaged and people like me in the spring, early spring of 2016, knew of memorandums of understandings, of emails, of everything. You know, Julian Assange isn't, uh, you know, in jail right now for emails. It's everything else that came with that server. And they want to know where it is. And they want his brain to become mush. So here we go, where they decided again, sorry, FBI, we don't need you. We're going to hire our own firm. And that firm made up this Guccifer, made up all these stories that was all fake because we all know his name was Seth Rich. He's the one that went and imaged the whole DNC server and distributed it. WikiLeaks got it after the fact. So here we are again asking very specific questions. Let's see how they answer. Mr. Clapper. Would you agree that one of the lessons of this episode is that people should cooperate with the FBI when notified of foreign hacks instead of stonewalling? Ah, we'll wait for that after the break because it's time for the break. So, hey, does this mean that we should let the FBI help when you're hacked rather than pay a private company that's funded by you and Google and the Ukraine and all that money in the Ukraine and is Ukrainian? rather than just sit on it? That's the million dollar question and we'll get to that after the break.
Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, always here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern, only on Red State Talk Radio. I'd like to say thank you um, uh, to a listener right now in Utah. Um, I appreciate you. He just, you know, sent me a nice email. Happy birthday. It's on March 8th and it's Woman's Day. So don't forget to get that special lady, uh, you know, flowers and celebrate that she's a woman because you should be doing that every day anyway. Um, So we're going to listen to the answer to the million dollar question. I'm going to replay the last few seconds of Grassley asking this question uh, quickly before we head into my old friend, John Owen Brennan, who I'm sure listens and remembers that square off toe to toe we had um, because, you know, I, I, I'm not an insubordinate person, but when it comes to doing the right thing and saying, well, this doesn't seem right and being told to know your place, you know, that kind of sticks with you for a while. So let's just listen to the answer of this million dollar question before we jump to him and then jump back to Clapper and Yates to just see uh, what's really going on here. Take a listen. Mr. Clapper. Would you agree that one of the lessons of this episode is that people should cooperate with the FBI when notified of foreign hacks instead of stonewalling? Uh, Yes, sir. I generally think that's a very good idea. Uh, Mr. Clapper, you sent the Russians, or you said the Russians did not release any negative information on Republican candidates. Uh, I uh, believe that that's not quite right. On June the 15th, 2016, Guccifer 2.0. Guccifer 2.0 that is fake. That was a manufactured entity by Clapper and Brennan's team. Released uh, to Gawker and the smoking gun more than 200 pages. Gawker. Because Guccifer 2.0 that wants to trash people would go to Gawker. Right. Okay. This is the DNC's opposition research on Mr. Trump's hundreds of pages of what I would call dirt. This happened just two days after the Wall Street Journal published a plan for Republican convention delegates to revolt to prevent Mr. Trump from securing the nomination. Why wasn't why wasn't the Russian release of harmful information about Mr. Trump addressed in the Russia report? And, and was this even evaluated during the review? Okay, so let's just take a step back. Guccifer, fake. An entity manufactured in order to create the facade that someone hacked the DNC. That fell on its face because the code was all remedial. It was so dumb because if you actually took the code, it was literally copy-paste. It was so dumb. Not only that, they had this page called dcleaks.com. You need to go there where they released RNC emails that has been taken down because it says it has been found to be Russian. Actually, actually, it's not. But... I digress. So take a listen to Clapper's answer. Hey, so they also released RNC emails and stuff about Republican candidates. Did you guys investigate that? Like, why wasn't it in the report of Russia? If Russia did it and Guccifer was Russian, was it in the report? Explain. I would have to uh, consult with the analysts that were involved in uh, the report to 
to definitively answer that. I, I don't know personally whether they considered that or not. Can you? Wait a minute. So you're saying that they considered Guccifer and said Russia hacked and released emails and, you know, dirt on the on the Democrats. So they were looking at the Russians doing it to the Democrats. But apparently they did the same thing to President Trump, uh, then candidate Trump. Right. And other Republicans. But you didn't investigate that. That would mean that, oh, we just care what happens to the Democrats because we already know we released that information on the Republicans it isn't really a thing and we're just doing it faux show you submit that as an answer in writing uh, well uh, I'm a private citizen now sir I, I don't yeah I don't work for the intelligence community anymore even though I still have my clearances because you did in 2017 so yeah tough noogies on that don't know what uh uh, what the rules well, are their, on, on my obtaining name. classified information, potentially classified information. So I, I will look into it. Okay. Uh, Mr. Clapper, you testified that the intelligence community conducted an exhaustive review of Russian interference and the an analysts involved had complete, unfettered access to all sensitive raw intelligence data. Do you have any reason to believe that any agency with withheld any relevant information? I don't believe so, with one potential caveat, which is that there is the possibility, again, acknowledging this role that the FBI plays in straddling both intelligence and law enforcement, that for whatever reason, they may have chosen to withhold investigatory sensitive information from the report. I don't know that to be a fact. I was not apprised of that. I'm just suggesting that as a possibility. Oh, okay. So here's it. Remember how I've always said that the FBI is not considered a member of the intelligence community, but there's a gray area between the CIA and the FBI. You know, the, that, 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 that area where Peter Strzok falls into, which is really CIA, but he pretends to be FBI and they kind of, mm. so he says they straddle the intelligence community and law enforcement. So is he saying that the FBI has a lot more power than the intelligence community, the NSA and all other intelligence agencies and, uh, divisions of those agencies uh, that seems really far-fetched and seems like well you know because maybe because you can't lie and say yep comey withheld it yep they all withheld it oh you know kind of like how they withheld that email that said that carter page was working for the intelligence community and they decided to hide it so that way he's not you know when when one of your own agents cannot cover their own Butts, you know, the agency will step up and send a note and say, yo, he's like working for us, period. That's all you need to know. Well, they covered that up and that was purposely covered up, wasn't it, McCabe? But, you know, he didn't get in trouble for that yet. So this is him saving face. Oh, yeah, you know, like the FBI. Oh, so McCabe was actually DOJ, not really FBI. But then we have that the DOJ and the FBI kind of mesh. So yeah, it could have been the FBI slash DOJ slash CIA. You mean everybody and their mother in between could have withheld information for, I don't know, investigative purposes or, you know, deleted an email. So that way you can't get a FISA warrant. Hey, my time's up, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Thank you, Senator Feinstein. All right, so let's not go to Feinstein. Let's go to Bill Mayer. 
This is where we're going to listen to my beloved John Brennan, where he talks and he talks like Bloomberg. You know, Bloomberg says, oh my gosh, you know, I shake hands of bellhops so they can go home and tell people they shook an important person's hand. Here's where we're going to listen to John Brennan pull a Bloomberg on us um, with an intelligence spin. But we need to listen to how, you know, he introduces him. President Obama's CIA director, who you may have heard recently lost his security clearance, a true American patriot, John Brennan. Wait a minute. So this is 2018 and he's no longer the CIA director, right? And Owen's upset that he lost his security clearance when he shouldn't have it because he's a private citizen. Okay. John, great to meet you. I don't usually say it's an honor to have somebody on my show, but it is an honor to meet you and have you here. And I know, and I want people to know, we had this booking a long time ago. This isn't just because of the events of recent weeks. You were scheduled to come here, and I thank you for honoring it. And, uh, you know, some people on the right have accused you of uh, wanting to monetize. That's their argument against you. You're not here to monetize anything, are you, John? Uh, No, uh, I am not. I didn't ask to keep my security clearances Former directors don't do that. We keep those clearances because sometimes those in government sure. want to be able to avail themselves of our experiences, our expertise, our, our um, knowledge about certain issues. Uh, so people serve on commissions. Sometimes they serve on private sector boards, whatever. But this is the first time in 38 years that I haven't had a security clearance. And uh, the basis uh, for the revocation is, uh, is bogus. Um, Mr. Trump and his administration didn't adhere even to the process that they reaffirmed last year. And the politicization of security clearances, either the granting or the revocation, is a real threat to our national security, which is why so many people came out and opposed uh, his action. And so I certainly hope... So many people came out for you. Uh, Admiral McRaven (laughs) said... He he said, please revoke my security clearance. It would be... Wait a minute. So he has had it for 38 years and how dare they take it away? Listen, buddy, I've had, but the minute I'm out of that element, I don't have access to it. Right. And so you get access when it's necessary. I know all of us that have had clearances, I guess, polygraphs more than anything, you know, those have to be renewed every so what, um, every somewhat years you have to renew your polygraph, right? So he's upset that his clearance was revoked and he has no access to classified information because, you know, as the level goes, you get public like C clearance, you get, um, you know, uh, which is more just classified stuff, right? Um, it will no, it's public stuff, but private information, let's just say. Then we go to classified, then we go to secret, then we go to top secret, then compartmentalized and top secret need to know after, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that makes you marketable. I mean, even for myself, if I apply for a job and, you know, I have XYZ clearance, I can, you know, um, be more uh, attractive to the employer because, you know, then if they work on a project with like an agency, then they can retain me because I've already had the clearance, uh, you know, background checks and it's just a renewal for this specific project. So I can get my, uh, you know, specific need to know access to things, right? So this is more money wise. But for him, it's more maintaining 
maintaining his private company in Luxembourg, as we know, uh, which requires him to have access. And as we noticed in 2018 and in 2017, Barack Hussein Obama, Hillary Clinton, Comey, Brent, all of them went to New Zealand. And I wrote a whole article about that because we have five partners, five eyes, as they call New Zealand is the only point of access that you can access unfettered. Like you have full access to almost anything in any classification with a bucket clearance. That is like the free for all. It's kind of like, you know how you have like a pass. Let's say you have a pass to get into a building, right? And that pass lets you go to specific elevators, right? And then when you go to the other, let's, let me put it back. HSBC is a bank. Right. So they have buildings around the world. And don't ask me how I know, because I can't tell you. So they give you an access pass, uh, you know, for your, uh, you know, for your job or your assignment or your internship in London. And you scan the pass and you go in and that gives you access to get into the building. But then when you scan your pass, you can only go, I don't know, to like a floor, like floor 11 and you work. But say, you know, you have that same pass and you go to, I don't know, Frankfurt or Paris or Milan and you go into one of their buildings and you scan the pass there. It's a bucket access. So you can go in there and go to any floor you want because it's a bucket access to the door and is, and the RF key or, you know, the biometric, whichever they use is not, um, you know, compatible with that of the elevator. So it's a bucket pass. That's basically how New Zealand is. Even though in London, even though, you know, in Australia, even though in the U.S., even though in Canada, you require uh, the pass at the door and the pass at the elevator in New Zealand, you just need the pass on the door. And so Brennan was there still pushing his, what was it, the private intelligence community called global security. So... Listen to how salty he is. In honor, considering what you did to Brennan. Yeah, so everybody with a brain is on your side. Uh, it's interesting, Jared and Ivanka still have clearances. You, one of the guys who was the architect of getting bin Laden, does not. Yeah. Well, it uh, seems as though Rand Paul was the one who put this idea yes. in Donald Trump's head. And Dead to me, Rand Paul. Uh, yeah, well, Rand Paul has never served on the Intelligence Committee. He knows not of which he speaks, uh, but yet he has this impression <laughs> that... I'm monetizing security clearances, uh, so he continues to spout out on these issues. But, uh, again, I believe very strongly in the principle that national security is one of the most sacred and solemn professions uh, in, in this government. And every American citizen deserves to have national security professionals, intelligence professionals, who are not going to be political, not going to be politicized, and no president ever should take that uh, uh, capability away from them. So, you know, I've been having a hell of a time here on this show trying to get my guest to say the word treason. I think the president is guilty of that. And you used terms like that. You said after Helsinki, it was nothing short of treasonous, which sounds to me like treasonous. Uh, and then I noticed this last week, some people tried to get you to take it back and you wouldn't. And again, I, I don't I don't understand why people are so reluctant. I get it. It's a scary word. It's like, you know, don't break this glass case unless you need the. F but when it's time to break the glass case, 
don't not do it just because it's a glass case. Yes, and I'm not a official of the Department of Justice where I'm issuing an indictment of, right. of Donald Trump on <laughs> yeah. treason. But there are two principal reasons why I use that term. One is that I think I exhausted all the other adjectives in the English language to, <laughs> to, to describe Donald Trump's failure to f- fulfill his responsibilities as President of the United States, number one. Number two, but when I saw him on that stage in Helsinki, failing to be able to say to the world and to Vladimir Putin, Russia tried to interfere in our election. It, will, it never should have happened. It never should happen again. And if it does, Russia's going to pay some very severe consequences as a result. But he didn't do that. And- of course he didn't do that because Russia didn't interfere on in the elections. See, if people have been following around, uh, Millie Weaver and I had, uh, well, she had gotten some leaks, but I, I have said that on the DNC server were the deployment directions and algorithms because we in the United States have not voted for decades. These electronic voting machines that are using specified software, and we went into the intricate details during those reports where they literally hijack. There's a black hole where they fractional vote. I mean, just think about it. Every presidential election, we have a maximum of like 100 million votes. And um, during Barack Hussein Obama's last election, we had extra votes because they were fractioned. But during the presidential election of 2016, we had an unprecedented almost 140 million people voted. And that is unprecedented unprecedented. So you can just imagine how many people came out to vote for President Donald J. Trump that they had removed votes for him to allocate them to Hillary Rodham Clinton. And this is fact. These are machines. These are algorithms. This is the most intricate cryptography of creating these trap doors where your votes get in and supposedly get shuffled and then spit out. So for every vote President Trump got, she got half or two or a quarter just to make it look reasonable. That's how it happened. And the software is there. Seidel leads the way. Your votes, as they're counted, we saw it in Kentucky, go to another country outside of the United States to get calculated and then kick back. And you're supposed to see it live. You saw votes switch sides immediately. There weren't added votes. It was like six votes here, four votes there, 10 votes here, you know, um, four votes there. So now the numbers are, I don't know, seven and 11. And suddenly it's like, nope, the other side has 11. And this one has seven. And you're like, wait a minute. Did they just swap? And that's how they've been doing it. We have not voted for decades. They gave us the illusion that we're voting and they made you think that every party is different. The Democrats and the Republicans were always one in the same. They're all corrupt, All you have to look at, how are you a public servant with a salary of 190,000 a year and you're worth millions? Come on, man. It doesn't take rocket science. It's not rocket science. And if they can't use their campaign funds to pay themselves, where are they getting all this money? I mean, that's all you have to, and why are they being gifted stock in Google, Apple, et cetera? These are the things, these are the questions you you should ask. You're a public servant. How are you so rich? How do you have so many houses? How do you have so many cars? Why do you have a private jet? How do you have a driver for 20 years, Diane Feinstein? Those are the questions people should ask, but nobody does because, you know, oh, they're just respected. Respected for what? Cheating you and smiling and patting you on the back and you're rubbing their feet as they do it. 
you're an idiot. That's what it is. And all of us have been idiots. All of us. All of us have been idiots thinking that we have a republic when we don't. We have had installments of socialism little by little. And you know, every time I see Owen speak, I irk. Because everything he says is so dismissive to the people. It's ridiculous. To call our president treasonous when what he did before he was appointed CIA director was the biggest, uh, I would say, the biggest, I, it's, it's more than treason. I mean, he should be hung for what he did. Because our information is now being pooled in private companies where they classify us a hundred percent from every single facet in private corporate hands. They can determine who you are and they know you better than you know yourself because they don't only take your data in regards to your financials, your education, your family, your associates, your rent, your house payment, your service, your teeth, your health. They take your search data. Every time you put something into Google and you search it, it's learning what you want to know. It knows the inside. Every time you watch porn, they know what you like. You know, every time you go shopping, they know what you like. They know everything and they know how to give you ads. I mean, we have all of this. See it for what it is. We are now in an era where we can see that we have been enslaved by these clowns. And, you know, Owen is low on the totem pole. He's not even the boss you know he is the boss appointed as a public face was was okay who himself worked with saudis and chinese to build this program to roll out a more mellow and more um i would say voluntary forfeit of rights of the uh social credit score that china runs here he is talking listen to how cocky he is. And so treasonous is defined as a betrayal of trust as well as aiding and abetting the enemy. And so that was the word. Betrayal of trust, aiding and abetting the enemy. Did he betray your trust by pooling your information offshore into his company at Luxembourg that he created? Yes. Now, did he aid and abet the enemy? Yes. And who is that enemy? The globalists that wish to enslave every man, woman, and child on this planet. And he has the boss's answers to. Word that came to my yeah. mind. Now, he, he sh I wasn't expecting Vladimir Putin to say, okay, you caught me. He's going to continue to deny this. But this was an opportunity for Donald Trump to fulfill his responsibilities to say, Russia, cut this out. Don't do it again. And if you do it, you're going to pay a cost. And be able to say to the everybody... And if, he, and, if he, and if he said that, he could have said, now, though, we have to work, United States and Russia, to be able to try to enhance stability and security around the globe. There are important things for the United States and Russia to do. I am very much supportive of trying to get relations between the two countries back on track. Critically important, the two largest nuclear superpowers in the world. Mm -hmm. But we cannot ignore what it is that the Russians try to do. And so when Donald Trump failed to do that, I was irate. No, he wasn't. I'll tell you why he was irate. He was irate because Donald Trump didn't let any of those seven Republican people that followed him around or anybody else in that room when he had a conversation with Putin aside from his interpreter. And that interpreter, their identity, 
is as ironclad hidden as you can believe. They are harassing everything. The same thing happened with Kim because they need to know. This is why they're upset. They want to know, well, wait, did Putin tell him everything? What does he know? Is he sharing information with Putin to say, yo, I know what's up. You know, yeah, what's up? Let's do this. And we're going to do this because I want to help my country. You want to help your country. Let's get it on because I want my country to be out of debt like your country kind of thing. This is why they were upset because they don't know what information they exchanged. Because I know how hard uh, professionals here in the intelligence community work to try to keep this country strong and safe. And for Donald Trump to be up there and to fail to say that. He takes the world. their side and not ours. That's a traitor. He calls you a lowlife. You who spent your life defending this country, especially after 9-11. When he is a lowlife. We had all sorts of problems and, and it could have gone way worse than it did. He, he said about General Clapper. Is he a general? Yes, he was. Yeah, yes, he is. That, they got to him. Like he, like you could get to a guy like that. Yeah, it's you can. Not on our side. No. You're not on our side. You are a traitor if you're attacking our generals and admirals and people who. Can- Wait a minute. So attacking Admiral Rogers and General Flynn that the left has been doing, you know, consistently, right? Is not being on, not on our side. It's just your general clapper who was just a tool and he was just a general because he was a good politician and really didn't know how to run the ODNI. Was hurt. Oh, their fifis got hurt. We'll pick this up after the break. All right. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So we were at where Brennan is sitting there and kind of, you know, petting the ears of the crazy, you know, never Trumpers that have Trump derangement syndrome, uh, you know, and saying this is treason. This is that. So I want us to quickly jump before we get into a little bit more. I'm just going to give you a little heads up on Turkey, Syria and Greece later in the last few minutes. But because tomorrow it's going to be pretty busy. Um, uh, I want you guys to listen to uh, John Owen Brennan uh, talk last week. But before that, we need to listen to what he said in December. In December, when the sunset clause of uh, the Patriot Act was extended. Take a listen. Wielded precisely by the president and his allies, right, is that... Uh, you know, partisanship is just what the CIA doesn't like, right? That that partisanship is in the eye of the beholder. It's it's defined by those agencies when they don't like the oversight they're being subjected to. <laughs> well, that's certainly one way of looking at it. But we would like to think that whether or not you're a Republican or a Democrat, you really are going to value the work and the missions of these national security agencies. And you're not going to be pursuing political agendas in that oversight responsibility. And I have seen it time and time again that one party will try to use the law enforcement or intelligence agencies to be able to get back at the other party. This has to stop. Wait a minute. Um, didn't you guys just do that? Didn't you use the intelligence agencies to uh, deter President Trump from becoming president? 
Didn't you ensure that the executive order that Obama signed in May of 2016, indicating the transition team and using correct verbiage, allowed him to extend his reign even up until today with his people in the National Security Council, all part of your intelligence community? Didn't you sit in a meeting in the beginning of January 2017 with Barack Hussein Obama, Comey, Clapper, and Chief Justice Supreme of the Supreme Court Roberts to discuss how you can annul, delay, um, annul the elections or delay the inauguration because he just can't be president because he's taking power away. But I digress. And I think the women and men of the FBI and CIA and NSA others are sick and tired of being the political football in Washington. And we need to make sure that we're going to value the work that they do, cherish it, because our future depends on it. The future of our children and grandchildren depend on the ability of these institutions to carry out their fundamental responsibilities to help protect their fellow citizens. Well, that that ship has long sailed when my general was questioned and Peter Strzok you know, manufactured a 302 a year, you know, about eight months later and presented it at the, as the original one. I talked about this in 2018. I told you that there's multiple 302s, multiple. Oh, I lost that one. Oh, I don't know where it is. Yet you and Lisa Page were chit-chatting about those 302s together, weren't you? Yeah, you were. And we already know this, but that's going to come to light with the Flynn case. So, oh, we didn't have a 302 then. I just wrote it down because you asked me for it. Well, that's funny. That's super funny. Weren't you talking to your girlfriend in text saying, hey, does he like it? Is it good enough? Do I need to change it and make it a little bit like this? Oh, but yeah, I digress. Not politicizing anyone, are you? Because here's where it gets political. How can all these idiots that are supposedly so high respected, so oh, for America and protecting the people, throw their weight behind Joe Biden who probably doesn't, you know what? If you gave him the main question, do you know that when you go to the hospital, they, they give you basic orientation questions. I can almost envision if ever Joe Biden won the nomination, which he, they won't even let him survive that he'll have to step down and whoever he puts his VP will be president. Um, the nominee, not president. Um, Going head to head with President Trump, he would just be, hey, what's your name? Date of birth? Do you know where you are? I guarantee you that one of those three questions, Joe Biden will mess up because he has no idea where he is. He won't even know what country he's in. He doesn't know anything. And I'm telling you, this is all a facade so that he doesn't go to jail because all of this stuff on the Ukraine is coming out. And Ukraine is nothing compared to the Middle East, nothing compared to Cyprus, nothing compared to Africa. If you think Ukraine is a big deal, oh, wait till you get to Africa, which stems from back in the late 80s, early 90s. Huh. Unseal that Epstein case already. Now, we need to listen to what, uh, you know, Morning Joe. (laughs) Okay, so John Brennan was on Morning Joe just last week. Uh, Listen to what he said. Okay, You you tweeted yesterday, quote, we are now in a full-blown national security crisis in reaction to the news that Donald Trump got rid of his acting director of national intelligence and replaced him because... The ODNI actually went and did its job briefing the House Intelligence Committee. What are you hearing from your friends, from your former colleagues inside the intelligence services today? 
Well, I think there is tremendous concern that this just is a continuation of the trend that they have seen for quite some time. Donald Trump has been very dismissive and even disparaging of the intelligence profession and intelligence professionals and their products that they send to him. But it's one thing for him to ignore it. It's another thing for him to actively try to prevent the Congress from gaining access to this intelligence that is so necessary for the Congress to be able to do its job. So I think they, they see this as portending even greater efforts on the part of Trump to put his loyalists in these positions so they can squelch the intelligence that really is necessary for national security. And that's why. Okay. So let me ask you a question, you guys. So let's go to 2018, right? I want you guys to, to be realistic on this one. Okay. Let's go to 2018 and think elections. Okay. Just think elections. That's all I want you to do. So now, what did we have in 2018? We had Congress just totally infu- infiltrated with um, with uh, um, Democrats, right? But what were these Democrats, you guys? Right? Who were these Democrats? Do you know who those Democrats were? Oh, yeah. Former intelligence community officers. Oh, so you mean that CIA people... People that worked in the CIA all entered the House and the Senate. They ran for offices. Are you kidding, Tori? No, I'm dead serious. So tell me again how the intelligence community is not a political pawn. Tell me again how that happened. How did, think about it, if it's not politicized, tell me, how was Hillary Clinton able to gain the highest access to classified materials when she was not in office on her server in her house that we all know was stored in a toilet in her basement? I'm just saying, how did, you know, this all happen? How how did it happen? So, Um, All of this um, information that Hillary Clinton had in her basement that was highly classified was done while Brennan was CIA director, right? Did Barack Hussein Obama take him down? Did he scold him and tell him, oh, 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 how did this happen? She has a, an open server. She's not working for the government. Why does she have access to this? Think about it. Why does she have access to it? Oh, no, nobody's crickets right there. That's the thing. Crickets right there. What did Loretta Lynch do? Did she prosecute anyone or did she, you know, make any referrals and say, hey, Hillary, you're not supposed to have this. Hey, you're not supposed to be putting information like this in your bathroom basement in your server that's not protected. No, we didn't see that. Not at all. We didn't see any complaints. Nobody said anything. And we just move it along. Yet Trump. Right. That's the thing. Trump. And here we have it coming full circle. Now it's coming full circle. We have all of these people putting their reputations on the line, falling behind a guy that is posing with dementia, posing with dementia. And so, you know, they've admitted themselves that they ordered one case of surveillance case case, which means multiple people. So Clapper was responsible for ordering one case, which tells you that he knows of other cases. So what was this justification of surveillance? Tell me if the surveillance was under the scope of the Pfizer warrant. Oh, wait, no, it wasn't because the overcollection happened since 2014 and before that, of course. But, you know, we can go that far back. So that is how you have to kind of go back. 
you just have to go back and see what has happened before. I mean, John Perry Barlow. Pretty interesting. That's a pretty interesting name. You should remember that because it's going to be making circles again. John Perry Barlow. Super interesting name. And why is it going to come out? Well, we're going to see it come out now. <laughs> When the first persons start to have to um, speak, when we see how it goes. So, you know, remember back in 2018 where I was telling you guys, Dan Coates is a clown. Dan Coates is a problem. You know, we have a lot of sleepers. You know, we need to, you know, get rid of them. I've been saying it like Nathan Krioger is one of them. And Ratcliffe was always the good guy. I can tell you what. I did not expect Ratcliffe to be put up as the ODNI. I did not. I did not expect him to be the director. It, it, honestly, I didn't. But I like it because he's so perfect for it. He is incredibly perfect for it only because he is unbiased. He's always on the side of facts. He's always on the f side of everything else. Uh, you know, that has to do with America first. And so I like that because he's not on a side. He's always on the side of America first. That's, that's the thing. So here is where we're going to be moving forward. Okay. We're going to see a lot of things come out because you're seeing the swamp come out in protecting, right, Joe Biden. They have to protect Joe Biden because the Ukraine is coming to a halt and there's going to be a lot of trouble. And as Super Tuesday is happening today, I can tell you something I told you guys about 12 months ago was, uh-oh, Bernie Sanders has the cut over his eyes 16 to 18 months. He had his first scare six months in with the heart attack. You watch it. The Democratic Party will not allow Bernie Sanders to take the nomination because that kills their brand, their fake democracy thing. They, they pretend that we have a democracy, yet they're pushing socialist programs. You know, takes a village, we'll feed you, we'll give you free school, free health, Medicare for all. That doesn't sound like a republic, sounds more like socialism, right? So they are not going to let him. So if by any chance they're not able to fix this election on Super Tuesday, it'll happen. And you know what happened yesterday, you guys? Right on the eve of Super Tuesday, what did we see? A group tweet. Oh, the FBI, DHS, HHL, everybody and their mother, all the three-letter agencies are standing by to make sure that we can keep the Super Tuesday elections kosher. Wait, what? Did they just tweet that out? Because they've never tweeted that out. I didn't see that tweet out in 2018. I didn't see that tweet out in 2016, yet they tweeted it out yesterday. That tells you they're all over this. They already learned their tricks. So this is what you need to see, that we know their tricks because they said, the FBI tweeted it out yesterday. Joint statement from Department of Justice, the DOD, DHS, DOS, ODNI, FBI, NSA, and CISA on preparations for Super Tuesday. This is telling them we are watching 
everything. Joint statement from all of these. And it says, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Attorney General Barr, Secretary of Defense Esper, Acting Secretary of Homeland Wolf, Acting Director of uh, National Intelligence Grinnell, FBI Christopher Wray, U.S. Cyber Command, you know, Nakasone, all of them. They're like, tomorrow, millions of voters in more than a dozen states and territories will cast their votes in presidential primaries Super Tuesday. We'll see more Americans head to the polls than any other day of the primary season. We continue to work with all 50 states, U.S. territories, local officials, political parties, and private sector partners to keep elections free from foreign interference. Americans must also remain aware that foreign actors continue to influence public sentiment and shape voter perceptions. They spread false information and propaganda about political processes and candidates on social media in hopes to cause confusion and create doubt in our system. Now, none of you have any doubt whatsoever that Joe Biden has dementia. He is dementia Joe. He has, you know, he's totally disoriented and no one is spreading that information. We don't even need to write articles about it. All you need to do is use his own words, his own videos where he talks about how children love crawling on his legs and tugging at his leg hairs that curl up kind of. That was sick, right? And you can all see the videos where he sniffs kids' hairs and touches their boobies, you know, so nicely. And, you know, that one video where Jeff Sessions swatted his hand away from his grandchild. That was pretty interesting. So they've been warned by the agencies or watching. This today is going to be fun. That's all you have to to think. This is going to be fun. Now, many people say that, you know, Fakeahontas, you know, Pocahontas, you know, Warren, who is so unlikable, like the woman looking at her makes me cringe. Like if she was ever someone that I had to interact with for like a driver's license or paperwork or for any reason, I would refuse to do it. I'd be like, I'll come back another day. There's like no way. There are just some people that you see. She's that one kind of people. And she is so, ugh, she's a deterrent. And, you know, she screeches too. And she talks. So you're going to see Warren in another light, possibly the light of you're like a fish out of water. You are really desperate. And no. And she's pissed too that everyone step back and it's her. So you're going to see this duke out. If you see Biden, I mean, Biden and Bloomberg are paying super. You know what? I should be a super delegate. I should pretend to be a Democrat so they give me $100,000 and I'm done for the year. And I'll be like, sure, I'll vote for you. And that's where I'll like write in the name Trump or something. How are they going to know it's me? Well, they probably won't, but I really don't care. I got paid, so I'm good. Uh, Because then they have to say, I paid you and you didn't vote the way I told you. And you're like, wait a minute. That's against the law. You can't really say that, can you? That would be awesome. You know what? Maybe for the next (laughs) elections... We should all pose as Democrats, you know, us that are wealthy should like infiltrate the Democrat party and be Democrat superdelegates and like not vote or vote for like the person everyone's not voting for. So that they come out. I'm just saying this is ridiculous. They're buying the elections. And now, um, you know, Biden is gaining from the money that Bloomberg, the sugar daddy of the DNC, is pumping in. It's hilarious to watch. It's also sad. In the meantime, while we have Super Tuesday going on and people are kind of looking at, oh, what are we going to watch out for Super Tuesday? Oh, this, 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 you know. 
We've got war in the Eastern Mediterranean that I've been talking about for two years that is in full swing ahead. Full swing ahead. And it is incredible. Um, so while we have war in the Eastern Mediterranean and we have our eyes on there because Russia is defending Syria and acting as Syria's surrogate army because that's their mutual defense agreement, we have one with Greece that's under attack right now. And uh, so we're on war time. But on the other hand, there's also a domestic war. We have Adam Schiff. You know, he's going to try to make sure that this sunset clause does not expire. He is pushing to include the sunset clause on, you know, the coronavirus. This is what they did in December. Remember when I was like, why are you signing that bill? It has the sunset clause. It's extending it to March 15th. What are you doing? Remember, I was tweeting it out. Nobody was listening. I started early this time. Sunset clause. You know, hello, let's talk. I'm glad that Mark Meadows took it. But this is what they're doing. They're trying to say, oh, yeah, we're going to fund the coronavirus. And by the way, we're going to continue spying on people for another 90 days. We're going to extend it. And you know who's doing it? Schiff. Because he used information from the NSA because it was a wiretap. That's how he knew what was on the conversation. That's how he knows what's going on. They're listening to everyone. I could tell you, I probably have some conversations with some people, other journalists. And it's like sometimes when we're on a topic so hot, the phone will disconnect. Like we're talking, hang up. We're talking, and on the other end, it's probably some NSA guy going, damn it, they're going to make me do paperwork. Like, stop talking about this. Surveillance is on high alert right now because it's not only the bad guys trying to figure out, it's the good guys. How does that make you feel? Do you feel safe knowing that there are people actively in the intelligence community hunting down people to shut them up? Because we see it with social media. Do you think that it's not happening with your intelligence community that has been weaponized by the Democrats that are loyalist to the Democrats? Of course it's happening. These are the people you don't see, you can't see, and you can't point out. That's what you need to think about. That is a scary thought, isn't it? It is very scary. Extremely scary. And you know, um, you have to know... <laughs> We're going to get some stuff coming out um, on Khashoggi. That's going to be coming out soon uh, because the Democrats, for some reason, want to hide the Khashoggi thing. They want to hide it. And I'm just going to say, John Owen Brennan, what's up? So Khashoggi is going to be coming back into the turn because they want to put it to bed. You remember Khashoggi that everyone said was American, but he wasn't American. He was actually a Saudi that was living in Turkey. And he was with this Turkish chick that said she was his fiance, but then she suddenly disappeared and how they cut him up into pieces, but nobody found the body. And then they said it was Saudi Arabia's fault. And it's like, but there's no body, you know, that one that's going to be coming around. Why? Because of this. This boatload of asylum seekers came ashore on the island of Lesbos on Sunday. Police stopped us from interviewing them on camera. But this Congolese man told me Turkish people smugglers promised him and his wife. Did you hear that? Wait, did you hear Syrian or was that Congolese? I think my ears are, are tricking me. Let's listen to that again. Wait, because I thought these were all Syrian refugees. Take a listen again. Interviewing them on camera. But this Congolese man told me Turkish people smugglers promised him and his wife a free ride while they were in church for Sunday service. Okay, so just so you know, 
All of these people that came up on the raft, there's like, you know, 40 of them. 35 of them are African, not even Syrian. So let's talk about Syrian refugees again. This man from Sierra Leone says he was walking on. Oh, wait a minute. Another. Oh, wait. No, that's not a Syrian. Oh, gosh, darn it. The beach as the boat was being prepared. He was told to jump in for free as well. It's unclear if someone is paying the smugglers to do that. On the island's north shore, a boatload of Afghans paid $500 each to get out of Turkey. Wait a minute. Syrians? Oh, no. He said Afghans. Okay. Their deals with smugglers had been struck weeks before Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, ordered the opening of borders with neighboring Bulgaria and Greece, both members of the European Union. What did the agent say to you? He said border is open, so yes, you go. Okay, so that was a Pakistani, just so you know. This was the first day of significant arrivals since Turkey opened its borders towards Europe. They weren't enough to create a logistical problem for the Greek authorities, but they were enough to make many of the people of Lesbos anxious that they may once again face the sort of uncontrolled refugee flows experienced in 2015. Yeah, but see, um, they're not Syrian. Are you getting this, guys? I just want to make this clear because we're seeing everyone saying, oh, my gosh, who was it that tweeted it out? Some tool tweeted out saying, oh, my gosh, you know, when World War II, the Syrians took in the Greeks with Hitler. How dare they be so cruel in pushing them away? And it's like, dude, where are the Syrians? They're not Syrians. Because did you guys hear any? I heard Congolese. I heard Sierra Leone. I heard Afghans. I heard. What else did you hear? Oh, yeah. Pakistani. It's like, where are the Syrians? Where are the Syrians, you guys? We have no Syrians, yet the Greeks are racist and they don't remember that the Syrians opened their arms. This guy, CJ Whirlman, Greek security forces gassing Syrian refugees, including young children. When Greeks fled the Nazis in World War II, Syrians welcomed 12,000 of them as refugees. But this is how Islamophobic European continent returns the favor. And mind you, he's showing a video where these migrants are putting children over fire and hitting them so they could start crying so they can run and ask for help. Yet, um, you know... This is it. The mom's crying before the baby. Oh, my gosh. It's so horrific. I'm retweeting this, um, you know, right after the show so you guys can see it yourself. It's just horrible. But you need to listen to more of this because this is where it gets really interesting. These people are trying to shame the Greeks for not wanting these people in their uh, country. The same shame that they were giving to us when we didn't want West Africans, Afghanis, and Pakistanis coming in from the southern border. Suddenly it's like, you're racist to Mexicans. And this time, refugees would have nowhere else to go. The arrival of a dinghy filled with refugees at the small fishing harbor of Thermi led to a blockade as local residents prevented them from disembarking. The Coast Guard brought the dinghy here after its engine failed. TV cameras were unwelcome and some of this scene had to be filmed at a distance. Police were unable to register other arrivals at Moria Camp, the largest in Greece. It, too, was blockaded by angry islanders who've seen its population grow fourfold to over 20,000 since the new democracy government was elected last year. 20,000, guys. Huh. This is war. This is war using humans as weapons. 
Tomorrow, we'll have a lot of news on Super Tuesday. Wait till you see what happens today. And by Friday, hopefully, we can de-escalate. See you tomorrow, same time, same place. God bless.